Thanks for listening. Join us now for Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. I don't know what your time alone with the Lord looks like if you have kind of a framework or if it's kind of an open, you know, it can look different from day to day. Yesterday I was riding in my RAV4. For your time with the Lord? Yep. Yeah, I get that. Time with the Lord on on the road is time well spent. On the road again. On road again. Yeah. Well, I came across this prompt for just conversations with the Lord and processing things with God, and I really, really like it. So I'm going to pass it on to you because that's what I do. I find good things, and I want my friends to know. Like, this is so good. You got to know about it. So it's four different kind of prompts, if you will, to, to dive into conversation with the Lord. It's God I feel, God I need, God you are, and God thank you. So yesterday— I just woke up feeling anxious and I didn't know the thing about anxiety is I don't know. Sometimes you can feel like, you know, exactly I'm anxious about fill in the blank. But for me with my anxiety, sometimes I just feel anxious and I can't put a finger on it. I don't know where it's coming from. It's just this very unwelcome feeling that feels like a blanket over everything. And it's hard to discern Mm. where it's, you know, where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. So I was feeling anxious yesterday and I know personally that for me, I need buffer in my life. Like it doesn't work well for me to go from one event to the next event, to the next event, to the next event, just running all day. And yesterday was one of those days for me where there was going to be no buffer. It was just going to, I was going to be in the car a lot. I was going to be driving a lot. I needed to be here at this time and there at that time. And felt like one of those days where it was like, you know, James Bond, synchronize your clocks, you know, let's see if we can make this happen and beat the clock. So I didn't have any buffer. (laughs) And as I look ahead at the weeks ahead, you know, the days ahead for me, they're pretty full and they're pretty demanding. And so usually when I'm feeling like there's no buffer, I just look out into the future until I see where it is. And I go, okay, I can make it till then. Mm -hmm. Well, that doesn't exist right now. Like I can't see that just yet. It seems like things are going to, they are busy. They're going to continue to be busy. And there's going to be a lot of demands on me for quite some time. So this is being normalized. <laughs> yeah. Ouch. It's not cool. No, it's no, no. It's not good for me at all. And the funny thing is I was talking with a friend just yesterday. We we're having this conversation and she goes, you know what I need? I'm just, I'm so stressed out right now. I just need a day. I just need a day to myself, a day where there's nothing on the calendar. And I was, I, I first started to think, my first thought was, wow, that sounds really good. I would really like a day too. My thought immediately behind that was, you don't need a day. You need some healthy rhythms. You need to set some boundaries. And I was like, oh, listen to me (laughs) to give in all this great advice (laughs) that I actually need to take. The pot calling the kettle black. 100%. So I sat down with this prompt and I was like, oh, I need to. So for me, when I write, sometimes it helps me to figure out what's going on inside and figure out my feelings. So I did that and I used this prompt. And this is what it looked like for me yesterday. God, I feel anxious, stressed. I'm afraid I'm not enough. I want to be present to the people I'm with. I want to add value to the people I'm with and the places that I'm going to be. But I am just afraid that they're not going to get the best of me because of the pace of life that I'm going to keep over the next several weeks. God, I need your peace, your help, discernment, wisdom. Peace to anchor me and to settle my anxious heart. And I also need help to be able to have the energy I need for each day to be able to focus my mind on what needs to be done, be present right in the moment. 
I need your creativity because I'm constantly creating. Mm-hmm. Every single day, there's a need to create. I need discernment to see where I need to say, no, thank you. <laughs> or, you know, I just need to blow out an invitation or an opportunity and say, I would love to be there with you, but I cannot do that at this time. I think it is hard for Sean a buyer to say no. It is. I don't want to disappoint people. That's a whole other thing, right? Like people pleasing and ugh. I feel that though too. Yeah. And then the last God I need was God, I need your wisdom. I need to know what's best and how to not just know it, but how to actually make its way into my life and into my schedule. And then God, you are faithful, trustworthy, generous, and here. I know I can trust you. You give so generously to me. If I'm going to ask you for something, I, I'm asking you for wisdom. I'm asking you for discernment. And I just know that that's what you're going to give me. You know, this is where I live. And I keep trying to find healthy rhythms. I keep trying to find margin and create margin. And I think I've done better this year. But, man, it's just it's a, it's a constant battle to try to find the healthy rhythm thing. Yeah. And I write notes to my future self. And there literally is at the top of my calendar... Did you catch what I meant? What I mean by that when I say I write notes yeah. to my future self? Okay. Mm-hmm. So I put a note in my calendar in the you know, months, even a year ahead to make myself aware of what the season will kind of look like. Cause it feels like, you know, every year's December and it's Christmas and it's like, oh my goodness, Christmas. And we're taken back, right? It's like Christmas happens every year in ha- December. Don't be surprised. I haven't read my Christmas cards from last year yet. Get out. I will be reading them <laughs> in October. Oh my goodness. Ben, so anyway, is, ben is just shaking his head in disdain. Shame. He's just sad. Shame. He's sad for me. So he's mad at me. I write notes to my future self. And the note that I wrote to myself in October is at the top of my calendar. And it runs across like a banner across the whole month of October that says, Shauna, things are going to get really crazy right now. Prayerfully consider every invitation before you say yes to it and try to create some buffer in your calendar. So I literally... Last year's Shauna wrote that to this year's Shauna so I would know when I got here and yet here we are. So anyway, if you if you can relate to any of this, like having feelings that you can't put a finger on, if you can relate to just not knowing how to open up the conversation with the Lord and be honest with him about what you're going through, how to be able to find how he is what you need right now and in this moment and this in this season, then I would encourage you to use this prompt. Tell God how you feel. Tell him what you need. Tell God who he is. Speak out the truth about the God who is with you. And then thank him. I don't know if you ever had anybody stick up for you or stand in for you or defend you. Yeah, Shauna? Oh my goodness, yeah. You brought me right back to like fourth grade. I heard, you know, rumor on the streets the mean streets of Los Angeles, yeah, the suburbs of Los Angeles, that Susan Catalano was going to fight me. And I was terrified. She was tough. I was not. And I was terrified. And I had gone to the grocery store with my mom and my sisters, and we came back, and I could see that Susan Catalano was hiding behind the wheel of the trailer across the street. And Denise Sanchez said, Shauna, come over here. I want to talk to you for a minute. And I knew that Susan Catalano was hiding and she was just going to beat me up when I went over there. She was the Scud Farkas from Christmas Story. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) she was all Scud. So anyway, my sisters 
came with me. I was like, Susan Catalano's over there. Susan Catalano's over there. And I was all afraid. And my so my sisters who are four and five years older than me and at fourth grade, that's a big difference. Yeah. You know, they were walking on either side of me like bodyguards and they walked over there with me to to talk to Denise. And yeah, Susan Catalano got real sheepish all of a sudden and I didn't get beat up that day. She backed down. That's right. Man, it didn't go so well for me because in, let's see, it was fifth grade. The sixth grade bully was bullying a kid on the playground and I stepped in and the bully punched me in the nose oh, and no. just the blood rushing down. The, the kid that was being bullied, he got away, and but I got the punch in the nose. Tried to run home and the, the school playground monitor, she, she grabbed me and she took care of me. But when it comes to a relationship with God... We need somebody to stand in for us with God. That's what a priest does. They make a way for us to have a friendship with God. That's what Hebrews 7, 23 to 25 is getting at. Now, there have been many priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Think about it. From ancient times till now, there has been priest after priest after priest making a case for humans to have a relationship with God. But every priest is flawed. They have their own sins to deal with. They may be spectacularly holy, but even so, the poison of sin pulses in their veins and they die. But not Jesus. He's a priest who lives forever to represent us before God. This priest lived a flawless life. This priest was the sacrifice for our sins. This priest was raised from death because of his sinless life and his sacrificial love. Mm -hmm. Think about it this way. Every single moment, Jesus presents his perfect righteousness to the Father as if it is ours. And a billion years from now, he'll still be alive, presenting his righteousness to the Father as if it is yours. Mm. That is amazing. That's the gospel. That's spectacular. Right. I mean, the fact that we have, it's one thing to have somebody that's willing to step up for you and intercede, but it's another thing to have somebody who's able to do that. Do you know what I mean? Not He's not only willing, he's able. Forever. Forever and ever. Yeah. And what we need to do is just throw all of our hopes on him, throw all of ourselves onto Jesus because he can bear our weight. He can bear our weight forever. Mm. You know, just yesterday, one of my best friends was, was sharing a regret from probably 80 years ago. Wow. 80 year old regret. And just a chance for me to remind him that you're forgiven. Mm Mm-hmm. You're forgiven because Jesus lives to constantly present his righteousness to the Father on your behalf. And maybe as you're listening right now, this is a little bit difficult to hear because you didn't have somebody come. You you can't get out of your mind the fact that there was a moment when you were not defended and you should have been. And there were people who could have and they didn't. And it it it's an achy place for you. Listen. This Jesus that we're speaking of, it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. He stands in the gap for you. He comes for you every single time, Mm -hmm. faithfully interceding for you 
every single time, right now. He's the perfect defender. Yep. Maybe you've not been defended, but Jesus is, take hold of your perfect defender because you know what? He's got your back forever when you trust him. We had a training at church last night, and I was driving to church from my house. So I live in Middleville. Our church is actually a Wayland address. It's right at the the north tip of Gun Lake. But I was driving there, and I was at Adams Road and Cherry Valley Road, which is kind of like a T it comes to. And for the past several months, there's a cornfield on either side. And so you kind of got to inch your way forward because you really can't see down the road either direction. So you got to kind of slowly inch your way forward to be able to get, be able to see and then make your left-hand turn. But not last night. Last night I get to this intersection and the corn is gone. It is gone. Like it is, you can see as far as you can see. So anyway, it is harvest time and that time of the year, the farmers are working hard to bring in the harvest and the leaves are starting to change. And Jesus said this about the harvest. He said, the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few and the workers are those who are bringing in the harvest. In Luke 10, Jesus is instructing the 72 to go out ahead of him, go into every town that and village that he was going to go to. And in verses five through seven, he teaches them to look for a person of peace. So what's a person of peace? It's someone who's open to the gospel. An example of a person of peace is like the woman at the well, the encounter that Jesus had with her and the conversation that they had. And as she came to know that he was the Messiah, that he was the very thing that her heart longed for. She went back and told the whole village and everybody was giving their life to Jesus. And they even said, like, we're giving our life to Jesus. First, it was because of what you said, but now it's because we've experienced him. I, of course, do the morning show with Shauna, but I also work with Frontiers and we, we recruit, train and send people to go to the Muslim world. And this is what we do. We go into towns and villages and cities and we move in, learn the language, learn the culture and look for that person of peace, that person of influence. And we'll ask them, hey, can you gather your friends and family members to, you know, discover Jesus in the Injil, which is the New Testament? And this is really an amazing thing. There are people who do rise up as persons of peace and these Bible studies start and and then the church gets planted like there's this viral movement of the gospel that yeah. starts. And you never know who that person of peace is going to be in your life. When we lived in Arizona, we lived in this cul-de-sac and we had this neighbor, we had these neighbors, um, there were 20 houses or 20 kids in this cul-de-sac. It was just a hopping place to be. It was so many great relationships birthed out of our neighborhood, you know, and just hanging out together and watching the kids play and stuff. But we had these neighbors, um, Arnold's. We call them A-Train. So A-Train and Danielle were dating. They were not married. They had a son together. They lived together. And we would have not at first meet thought A-Train's going to be a person of peace for us. He was pretty straightforward about the fact that he was agnostic. I don't know. I'm not sure that there is a God. And they actually kind of made fun of me and my husband. They called us I don't know, somebody from the Simpsons, you know, okay. they, it was the pastor and the pastor's wife and we were the religious people. And so they had a lot of fun with that. It was, it was all in good fun. We weren't offended by it, you know, but we, we had a relationship with them. We hung out in the cul-de-sac and we watched the kids play. We had them over for dinner. We just loved on them. They genuinely were so fun to be with. We really, really loved them. So never did we think they would be people of peace to us. 
But A-Train had a situation where he was jobless and he could not provide for Danielle and for their son. And he was freaking out about it. And so he found himself in the shower one morning just crying out to God and saying, I need you. And he Mm. had an interview that day and he said, if I get the job today, I'm going to go to church. Mm. And he got the job. I wonder whose church he went to. Well, because of our relationship, because of our friendship. Sure. He came to our church, which was incredible. And the thing is, so he came and he brought Danielle and their son. And in it seemed like no time at all, Danielle's mom and dad were coming. And then her sister was coming. And then aunts and uncles were coming. There was this huge Italian family that was now coming and learning about Jesus regularly, sitting there all in church together, taking up a you know a few rows, <laughs> a whole section. Yeah, and this is the thing, again, about a person of peace is that there's just so many relational connections mm-hmm. with this influential person. Right. And so if the gospel reaches that person, it's going to spread. It's just, it's biblical. Jesus pointed it out, as he you did. just mentioned. Right. And so we want to we wanna follow his lead. If he was here right now, what would he say to you? He'd say, go find a person of peace. <laughs> so who's the person of peace in your life? And if you're thinking, I don't know, I don't know that I have a person of peace. And I'm not talking about having a project, somebody that you're looking to flip across the line, you know, the line of faith. I'm talking about a friendship that you're willing to invest in and develop. And if you don't have a person of peace in your life, be a person of peace for other people. And I think that God will bring people of peace into your life. I know when Eden went off to college, my daughter she didn't know a soul, you know, gets on this new campus and she just made a decision. She said, every time I'm standing in line for anything ever on campus, I'm going to introduce myself to either the person in front of me or the person behind me. And she did that. And not all of those introductions led to deep relationships, but some of them did. I remember she brought a friend home for the weekend from college and they were at our house. And I just said, how'd you meet Eden? She goes, oh, I was in line at Chick-fil-A and Eden just introduced herself. (laughs) The little peanut. Yeah, and then she's bringing her home for the weekend, right? Yeah. So you just don't know where the relationships are going to develop from. But if you don't have a person of peace in your life already, be a person of peace. And I believe that God will bring people of peace into your life as well. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So let's ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into this harvest field. And guess what? You and I can also, we can ask the prayer, but we can also be the answer to the prayer. So Father, send us out into the harvest field today. As a kid, I just so much longed to know that I was going to heaven, but I just wasn't sure. There is a huge difference between religion and the gospel. Religion says, I hope I make it to heaven. Don't know if I will, but I hope there's enough mercy for me because I know I'm a sinner. But God, I hope you'll consider the ways I tried to please you. The gospel says, I have this sure hope that when my journey is over, I'll be welcomed into paradise. Religious hope is unsure because we're unsure what gets us in. And gospel hope is sure because we know what gets us in. Hebrews 6.19 talks about gospel hope. This hope, it says of being with God forever, is like a firm and steady anchor for our souls. This hope reaches behind the curtain and into the most holy place. Reaches behind the curtain and into the most holy place? The most holy place in Israel's temple was considered to be the Garden of Eden, Mm. paradise, where the tree of life stood. 
where you could see the face of God and live. And it was a hint of a way to return to paradise, which we lost. But hold on. Yeah, our first parents chose to be their own Lord and Savior and were kicked out of paradise, and so were we. And God placed cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to keep us out. And yet, here's this hope, this confidence of being with God forever, reaching into paradise. And it's a sure hope. It's got swagger. How can this hope be so confident? Hebrews 6.20 says, Hope enters paradise and finds someone there, Jesus, the one who has gone there on our behalf. Remember that flaming sword keeping us out of paradise? Jesus, the innocent lamb, fell on that sword to bring us back in. Mm -hmm. Then the father raised him up because of his sacrificial love And now he lives in paradise forever, representing us there. He's made a way to get there, and he's there, and he's representing us there, guaranteeing our place in paradise when we put our hope in him. Yeah, and and the thing, too, about that is not only do we get to be with him in paradise for all eternity, we get to be with him now. I mean, that's... That's just crazy cool. I had a friend who we were in a Bible study together. It was about heaven. And everybody was talking about what they were looking forward to about heaven. And she just kind of interrupted the whole thing. Her name was Pam. Short gal, straight brown hair, big glasses. And she said, I don't know why you're all so excited about heaven. She said, I need Jesus now. I gave my life to Jesus because I need Jesus now. Yeah. And so both and it's not an either or. Well, the book of Hebrews talks about the rest that we can enter into with God. Mm -hmm. And the ultimate rest is being with him forever. But it says, we who have believed enter that rest now. Yeah. So there is a sense in which now we get to experience paradise through the Holy Spirit. Yeah. The presence of God with us. So Jesus says, if you hope in me, I'll write your name on the palm of my hand. And as long as I live, and I'm going to live forever, you're guaranteed of being with me in paradise. Now that you and I have been rescued by Jesus, he tells us that we will be people who rebuild the ancient ruins, who restore the places long devastated, who renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations And that really gets at the heart of what we're to be about as God's people. And that's what's happening at Muskegon Rescue Mission. Rebuilding, restoring, renewing broken lives. We've got Dan Skoglin with us, who's the executive director of the Muskegon Rescue Mission, which is all about this rebuilding, restoring, renewing mission, demonstrating and proclaiming God's love. I think that when we think about, you know, a rescue mission, we might, if you've not had exposure or volunteered or been amongst the people who come to the mission, you might think they're probably pretty different from me. But the fact is, I mean, I think that's that's pride right there to say they're probably pretty different from me. There is there is no us and them. There's just us. And a lot of these folks are just like us. Can you tell us about Chris and his story? Chris is a story that will ring true, I'm sure, to many listeners. Chris grew up in a Christian home. Chris gave his life to Christ at a young age. And he grew up with the, the in church, with the faith, with the values that so many of us have. Chris, you know, as he grew and became a man, got married, started a family, had kids, 
And along the way, as happens to some individuals, his faith started to wander and drift. Mm. Chris ended up uh, becoming an alcoholic and his alcoholism cost him everything, cost him his job, cost him his marriage, cost him his relationship with his children. Eventually, Chris ended up at our door because even his roommate kicked him out and said, you can't be here anymore. So he, as happens, he had nowhere to turn. So he shows up saying, I have nowhere to sleep tonight. I have no food to eat. Mm. Come on in, Chris. That's what we're here for. So Chris got involved, started in the, our case management, started to meet other men at the mission, actually got involved with a couple of guys in our year-long discipleship program. And as their friendship grew, they invited Chris to join in the job training program in our kitchen. So Chris started working in the kitchen alongside with our cooks and others, and that started to through the conversation started to reignite the faith that Chris Mm -hmm. knew as a child. So then Chris decided that the year long program was probably the next best step for him. We agreed, thought you're a great candidate for this program. So Chris spent a year and he has just wrapped that up here in the past few months and graduated from our program. But in the meantime, while he's finishing the program, Chris was able to get a job at a local company moved up quickly and has been promoted is now in a supervisory role wow. there. That's awesome. Has been able to save money, has an apartment and is back involved in church. Mm-hmm. And that happens because people care enough to allow us to do what we do and walk alongside people that are struggling. Well, we do care and we do want to be involved. So how do we get involved? I mean, what are the ways in which we can be a part of what's happening there? There's a variety of ways in which people can get involved. Uh, one is please join our prayer team. You can go to our our website, miskeganmission.org, join our prayer team. You will get biweekly requests from the mission that are very specific, not generally. Here's people, here's what they're suffering, here's what they're going through. Can you pray for mm, this? That's good. And as the next requests come out, you'll get updates as to what happened with the oh, pre- wow, prior so request. Cool. So you can do that. And we promise if you join our prayer team, we don't mix you in with our other emails. We don't start asking for all kinds of other stuff. We just want people to pray yeah. for the mission because that's where it starts with. To come get involved. Come be a volunteer. I promise you, while you are changing other people's lives, your lives will be changed that much more. Three is the mission is completely privately funded. No local, state, or federal dollars. That's why we can do what we do in the name of Christ. So we do rely on individuals, businesses, churches for financial support. And that would all, we can go through muskeganmission.org for all three of those? All of that can be started right at our website. Okay, awesome. I imagine your one-year program, you know, this is in my mind like a boot camp where you get got to get up at 5 o'clock and you got to go carry a heavy log on your shoulder with a bunch of other guys down the shore of Lake Michigan. Is that, is that what it is? Yeah. Well, they might sound like fun. No, that's not what we do. Um, the, the, the days are structured, but it is all about that goal of showing and demonstrating God's love while moving people out of poverty. So again, it's all individualized. So they go through job training. They will go through education classes if they need that. If they are a parent, they're going to go through parenting classes. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about relationships whether it's parent to child, to your parent, to uh, just a friend. The Bible talks about that. They're going to go through money management programs. So it's all individualized. It's kind of like college. You have your core classes that everyone's going to do, mm-hmm. and then the individualized pieces based on your circumstances and your goals and objectives. Get involved in what the Lord is doing at Muskegon Rescue Mission, and you can do so by just going to muskeganmission.org, muskeganmission.org. God is on the move. 
and just opportunity for you to join him. Thanks for listening to Barry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.